Church, I hope you enjoy church. I hope you love being here today. Uh, if your friend dragged you along, then it's great to have you here anyway, and we still hope you enjoy it. Um, this morning, I, I want to tell you the title of my message to start off with. I don't do that very often, but my title this morning is God Uses Imperfect People. Oop, I just turned that off. There we are, on. God Uses Imperfect People Who Make Themselves Available to Him. God uses imperfect people who make themselves available. That's my title today. That's what I'm speaking to you about today. We're talking about the life of Paul. We're talking about this guy who was possibly the most influential man in his world at that time. And I would even suggest to you that he's been one of the most influential people throughout human history. The letters he wrote that are now part of our New Testament Bible have transformed the world right around for... 2,000 years, and those letters are still changing lives and communities on this earth today. He's not God, he's not Jesus, but Paul was a man who loved God. He believed some certain things about God that were wrong in the way of salvation, but he came to faith in Jesus Christ and learned to live a life of following Him, and he says to us, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And we're going to continue to look at his life in the book of Acts, in chapter 18 this morning. If you've got your Bibles there, I encourage you to bring your Bible to church and open it up. Let it, uh, be, let it be something that you get to know well. Your Bible should be like one of your best buddies that you know. Uh, if you flip this corner over, you see those bits of breakfast just built on that day. And, um, you know, you should, I want my Bible to be something I know that, you know, that little corner with the star on it. That's the corner where it talks about the stars in heaven that God created. And let's bring our Bibles with us to church. I encourage you. Uh, Acts chapter 18. And before we read, let's just have a think about where we are again. This is things that happen on this earth. It's not some mystical book about things that never happened here on this earth. This is history of what happened amongst God's people. And last time we were talking, uh, Paul was in Athens, and he's been traveling all over the place from, from Israel, Assyria, and all over the place. And this t- today, we're going all the way over to Corinth. So, maybe... 50k, but uh, it's not a huge distance, just going across to Corinth in Acts chapter 18 this morning. And let's read from verse 1. It says, Then Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife Priscilla. They left Italy when Claudius Caesar deported all Jews from Rome. And it's interesting, if you look at the history of that, um, the rulers at that time was saying that this Jesus is causing an uproar. And it's sort of the way it's written, it sort of sounds like this Jesus is leading a revolt. That It's like this man is causing chaos in our cities. But Jesus isn't actually there. He's ascended to heaven already, and it's the followers of Jesus. It's the message of Christ that people, the world is being turned upside down, and there's some revolts among the Jews about that. And, and, and Claudius departs them all from Rome and says, get out of here, I don't want your problems, be gone. Verse 3, Paul lived and worked with them, that's Aquila and Priscilla, for they were tent makers just as he was. Each Sabbath found Paul at the synagogue trying to convince the Jews and Greeks alike and after Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul spent all his time preaching the word. He testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah but when they opposed and insulted him, Paul shook the dust from his clothes and said, Your blood is on your own heads. 
I'm innocent. From now on, I will go to preach to the Gentiles. Then he left and went to the home of Titius Justus, a Gentile who worshipped God and lived next door to the synagogue. Crispus, don't you love their names? Sounds like a cereal. Crispus, I'll have that for breakfast, thanks. Crispus, leader of the synagogue. Sorry, every time I read it, I think that, so I just have to say it. And everyone in his household believed in the Lord. Many others in Corinth also heard Paul, became believers and were baptized. It's a natural step for any believer in Christ. If you know Jesus, come and be baptized if you haven't already. Verse 9, one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and told them, Don't be afraid, speak out, don't be silent, for I am with you and no one will attack and harm you. For many people in this city belong to me. So Paul stayed there for the next year and a half, teaching the word of God. But when Gallio became governor of Achaia, some Jews rose up against, together against Paul and brought him before the governor for judgment. They accused Paul of persuading people to worship God in ways that are contrary to our law. But just as Paul started to make his defense, Gallio turned to Paul's accusers and said, Listen, you Jews, if this were a case involving some wrongdoing or a serious crime, I would have reason to accept your case. But since it is merely a question of words and names and your Jewish law, take care of it yourselves. I refuse to judge such matters. And he threw them out of the courtroom. The crowd then grabbed Sosthenes, the leader of the synagogue, and beat him right there in the courtroom. But Gallio paid no attention. You're thinking, right, that's a bit violent. God uses imperfect people who make themselves available. You know, Paul was human just as you and I are. We're human, we're just as Paul was. Paul was not God. Jesus was fully God and fully human, he never sinned, but Paul was human. He sinned, he messed up, he, he got things wrong sometimes. Paul confessed to being the, the, the worst of sinners. Paul was a man who struggled, who, who had doubts, who had questions, and, and he would have described himself as a very imperfect person. Paul, we, we, we read the Scriptures and we, we think, oh, these people are, are like super people. <laughs> they're, they're people that God used in amazing ways and we could never become like that. But Paul was human. I want to make that point very clear. He's no different to you and I. He was a human being. He had struggles, he had doubts. I'm, I've no doubt there were things that happened in Paul's life where God prompted him to do something or go somewhere and he missed it. That's not recorded because he didn't do it kind of hard to record something he didn't do. But he was human, just as we are. Now, I want you to think for a moment about what's happening in Corinth. He's there, he's in the synagogue, he's teaching and preaching, and Paul, this human man, he's there, and he starts to hear little rumblings of discontent. He's like, hang on, where's this going? And he starts to hear a few people sort of, sort of speak up saying, I don't know, criticizing what he's saying. And he's starting to see a few more sort of starting to murmur and, and get a bit, a bit frustrated sounding and, and then start, they start abusing him while he's speaking. And they start yelling at him and starting to, to contest what he's saying. And I just wonder if Paul, this human man in his brain, is going, I think I know what's about to happen. 
I've been here before. I go into the synagogue, I preach about Jesus. Some people get excited. Others get really, really angry. They start getting a little bit frustrated. They start saying some things. They start yelling some things. Then they start abusing me and and arguing with me like what's happening now. And then in a few minutes' time, we keep going. Then they get so mad, they grab rocks. They come out of town. They throw me on the ground and they throw rocks at me. And Paul's going, I don't want to do that again. I think... In the words of Popeye, Paul's saying, I can't stand it and I can't stand it no more. He says, I'm out of here. Your blood is on your own heads. I am not staying. You guys can figure this out yourself. I've told you the truth. You haven't listened to me. I'm going. And he storms out of the room. You know, whoops, sorry. I'll I'll get that. He storms off. Maybe he did, maybe I'm being a little overdramatic. But he goes off and he takes off and you know where he goes to? He walks all the way down, out the front door, around the corner and to the next house. Didn't go a long way. <laughs> says he goes to the, the neighbour who's a believer. And it's interesting, in that, in that house it, it says that um, Crispus, how could I forget his name? Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, a Jew, gets saved and his whole household gets saved. He doesn't stop ministering to people. But... He can't stand it. He's had enough. He, d- he doesn't want to be there anymore. Maybe uh, we, we know that uh, God used that moment, that God raised Paul up as a, as a prophet to the Gentiles, that God used those moments to, to stir Paul's heart, I believe, to go to the Gentiles, that it was God's plan that the Gentiles would, would know the Saviour and that they, their love for the Saviour, their relationship with God would then make the Jews jealous to then want to know the Saviour and, and come back to God. It was part of God's plan to do that. But I want to make a, a, a few points about this passage this morning. Number one, let's not be too reactive. Let's not be too reactive. I wonder if you've ever had a moment when someone said something to you, maybe they criticised you, Maybe you feel like you messed something up and you're like, nah, that's it, I'm out of here. I'm never doing this again. I'm never going to talk to that person again. I can't do that anymore. There's no way I could ever become that anymore. And we, we blow up like a great volcano, maybe, or maybe it's just quietly. We just walk away like a porcupine that no one can ever go near again. <laughs> that's the marriage course, the rhino or the porcupine, which one are you? Anyway, uh, let's not be too reactive. We all struggle sometimes not to react, not to just lash out, not to just react to situations and things that people say. Let's not be too reactive. I've shared the story before, but I want to share it again this morning. And uh, when I was 16 years old, I I loved school athletics days. And uh, I, I, I loved them. And I wanted to be an athlete. I wanted to train. I wanted to get fast. I wanted to go to the Olympics. It didn't really worry me what sport that was at that point in time but I wanted to be an athlete and the athletics day came around the corner and I was excited I mean like I was at home before the athletics carnival and I was at home watching Braveheart going you may take our lives but you will not take our freedom like what that has to do with athletics I've got no idea but it got me pumped and I'm all excited it's athletics day and I made it to the western region finals and this day I'm in Portland and we're there, we're ready for the start, like we're doing our thing, we're psyching each other out, I've got my red sunnies on, I've got my, my spikes on, I've got the blocks ready to go, I've been training my starts, I'm, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go. And we're all, all set, we go on the blocks, and the only way I can describe it is this is like my ears went mute to the sound of anything 
in that moment. I was just so in the zone, so in the zone that I'd had no idea what was going on. And the only way I knew the race had started was I saw the other runners running. I'm like, <laughs> where's the gun? There's supposed to be a gun. There's supposed to be a gun, isn't there? Like, come on, can we start that again? How come they all heard it? I still don't know. Anyway, the only reason I knew to go was they're running and I, I ran and I got third. And I'm like, oh, I had a five-minute handicap. That wasn't fair. Let's do that again. I, I could have made it. And in that moment, I could have reacted. I could have said, that's useless. I can't ever do it. I'm useless. I can't do starts. I suck at starts. There's no point. I'm never going to become an athlete. It's useless. I can't do it. I give up. I'm just going to become a non-athlete, whatever that is. Um, <laughs> I could have reacted. Or maybe something more, a little more serious. Maybe you've done something in the past. You've, you've tried preaching and you sort of, you did your best and you felt like it just went, crashed and burned. And you're like, I'm never doing that again. I'm never going to stand and declare God's word in front of people before because I sucked at it. It was too hard. Someone criticized me and I got that wrong. I could never do that again. Or maybe it's sharing the love of God with someone else and you, you've gone and you've tried to share about Jesus with them and they've just kind of flipped it all around and made it sound weird and, and you've just gone, I don't even know what I believe anymore. And you're like, I'm never talking to anyone about Jesus again. Maybe that's you. We are so quick to react, to say, I'm not doing that, I'm not going there. It's funny, but it's not so funny at the same time. Let's not be so reactive when people hurt us when we make mistakes god's word is still true his word is black and white there are so many other grays and things and opinions and ideas and understandings of each other and the way we say things and we we get offended and, and so many things happen but god's word is black and white we will make mistakes we will get hurt we will hurt others accidentally but let's not be too reactive. You know, God speaks to Paul. Actually, I'll, we'll leave that for now. But we see that Paul goes next door and he preaches to the Gentiles from then on, he says. You Jews, you have your own way. But it says still the, the leader of the synagogue comes and he gets saved and his whole family. And Paul ministers to them. Even though he's had the blow up, he kind of... I almost feel like he's taken, a, he's taken three steps back and he's like, well, I'll take two steps forward again. I'll, I'll come back to this. Let's not be too reactive. Number two, the second point I want to make this morning is that God can even use unbelievers. God can use unbelievers to do things on this earth. And if God can use someone that doesn't even believe in Him, I think God can use you if you're saying, God, I want to be used by you. God can even use unbelievers. He can use imperfect people like you and I. You know, Gallio, the governor of Achaia and the, the area where the Jews bring Paul to to be judged, I believe God used Gallio to bring peace for the believers in Christ to preach the gospel. Because of the precedence of the, the way he handled that case, it meant that the, the Jews knew there was no point bringing these these Christians who were proclaiming Jesus as a Messiah before him. He threw them out and they got whipped and or they got beaten up themselves. It's like it set a precedent that these, these Jews are thinking, hang on, we're going to try and just sort this out ourselves. And we better be careful because he doesn't even care if we get beaten. It's like this set a precedence. God can even use unbelievers and God used Gallio to bring about a peace in that land. 
And I think there's a reason for it. And I think it's because prayer is powerful and effective. I'm sure there were some people praying for Paul. I'm sure there were some people praying for Gallio. You know, we are called to pray for our leaders. We're to, called to pray for those in authority over us, to, call for, to pray for our, our government and our nation and leaders anywhere. We are called to pray for them. It is, it is important that we pray for them because God hears our prayers, He answers prayers, and He will use even our, our leaders that don't know Him in answer to our prayers. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. The earnest prayer of a righteous person. Who's righteous? Without Christ, we're not. But with Christ, we are. If you know Christ is your Savior, you are a righteous person. And the, prayers of a, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power. The pa- same power that raised Christ from the dead lives within you. The earnest prayer of you has great power and produces wonderful results. It has effect. It changes things. I believe there were some people praying for Gallio, and I believe God can use unbelievers, but He also calls us to pray for unbelievers, to pray for all people, to pray for one another, to confess our sins to each other, that God will answer our prayers. Before I go on to the third point, I want to read verse 18 to 26. Of Acts 18. It says, Paul stayed in Corinth for some time after that. It's kind of like, wow, Gallio's sticking up for me. I don't think I'll take off just yet. Then he said goodbye to the brothers and sisters and went to nearby Centuria. There he shaved his head according to the Jewish custom, marking the end of a vow. Then he set sail for Syria, going back down to uh, Antioch probably, taking Priscilla and Aquila with him. They stopped first at the port of Ephesus, where Paul left the others, meaning Priscilla and Aquila, behind. While he was there, he went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews. They asked him to stay longer, but he declined. As he left, however, he said, I will come back, God willing. Then he set sail from Ephesus. The next stop was the port of Caesarea. From there, he went up and visited the church of Jerusalem and then went back, down, back to Antioch. After spending some time at Antioch, Paul went back through Galatia and Phygra, visiting and strengthening all the believers. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the Scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He'd been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit, spirit and with accuracy. However, he knew only about John's baptism. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. The third point I want to make today is that we've all got to start somewhere. And I so enjoyed typing that word up. Somewhere. Because I am a terrible speller, but that one was deliberate. I'm like, <laughs> sorry, Matt. Uh, you know, we all have our challenges. Sometimes it's insignificant. Well, well, I think it's insignificant. I can't spell very well, but we've, we've all got challenges. We've all got things we're not good at. We've all got things that we, we are good at. There's things that we struggle with. We've all got to start somewhere. 
you know, over the last few days, and as I've been reading through this passage and thinking about it, Apollos has become one of my heroes. As you read about Apollos, he's, he's come from Egypt, he's come in and he's explaining the truth about Jesus. He, he says he's an enthusiastic preacher and he's explaining the truth well, he's teaching about Jesus, but he doesn't understand about John's baptism and the baptism in the name of Jesus. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, about turning away from sin. But the baptism of Jesus is about turning in faith towards Him. And I think there's a, we talk all about that, but there's a subtle difference about telling people they just need to repent and telling people they need to have faith. It's, it's one thing to say, turn away from your sin, but if we're not turning to Jesus, then we're just turning to something else that's not going to help us either. You know, Jesus told the story about the bowl, uh, that uh, a life is like that, that bowl, that uh, the evil spirits can be filling that bowl, but it, it can be swept out, it can be cleaned out, but if it's not fear, filled with the Spirit of God, then the spirits are going to come back with even more. It's going to be worse off than it was before. The baptism of Jesus says, don't just turn away from sin, but turn to God, turn, find faith in Him, turn to Him, come to Him, trust in Him, rely on Him, be filled with Him, His Spirit. And Apollos is, is preaching, but he doesn't understand those things. And then when Priscilla and Aquila come, they speak the truth in love. They, they, after he's finished speaking, they sort of call him aside and they say, hey, mate, it's fantastic what you're doing, I think. And, and, and they say, but it's just one thing we want to help you understand. It's like, do you know about like, Jesus' baptism? And, and they've explained the truth in love. So they, they understood these things. Now, I'm going to say about speaking the truth in love, we can sometimes try and speak the truth in love, but it cannot always come out like the truth in love. I think it should be, in love, speak the truth in love. I think we should kind of sandwich it in love, with a little extra dose of love, maybe. Um, God help us to speak the truth, to declare the truth, but to speak it with a whole, whole, whole lot of love. We've got to be so careful the way our words come out. People hear things differently to how we intend them to hear them. And when you go and say to someone, you got that wrong, it doesn't necessarily come out like they want to help you. We need to help people understand that we love them, we care about them, we appreciate them. God help us to, in love, speak the truth. When you come to someone, sort of say, look, uh, uh, so great to see you sharing with that person about Jesus. I... Can you just help me understand something? I, I thought you were saying this and I just wasn't sure if this was what you meant or what you meant by that. And you can have a discussion. Don't have a telling off time. God help us speak the truth in love. And then, so they speak to Apollos and Apollos goes, Oh, I'm useless. I can't do this anymore. I got this all wrong. I've been teaching people about Jesus and I didn't even know about his baptism. And I've just been preaching about Paul, uh, John's baptism. And I've got it all wrong. I'm never preaching again. Not really what he did. That's, that wouldn't make him my hero. Apollos, he kind of just, you don't hear anything about his reaction. He just takes it on board and he keeps preaching. And it says he had a desire to go to Achaia. And the, the disciples, Priscilla and Aquila, the others there, say, yeah, man, go for it. Go, go preach the gospel. And it says God uses him mightily as he goes. He doesn't get too reactive. He doesn't get too offended. And he goes, because we've all got to start somewhere. We've all got things to learn along the way. 
We've all got struggles. We've all got imperfections. We've got things that we can learn and grow in. But God can use us as we go. I want to read in verse 27, the verse straight after that. Apollos had been thinking about going to Acacia. And the brothers and sisters in Ephesus encouraged him to go. They wrote to the believers in Achaia, asking them to welcome him. When he arrived there, he proved to be of great benefit to those who, by God's grace, had believed. He refuted the Jews with powerful arguments in public debate. Using the Scriptures, he explained to them that Jesus was the Messiah. I think how sad would it have been if, if Priscilla and Aquila had come to him and just spoken truth and so, so discouraged him that he didn't even go. I wonder how many lives would have been affected by him not going and preaching about Jesus in Achaia. God, help us speak the truth in love and ourselves to not take offence when our brother and our sister comes and speaks truth to us, even if it's not seemingly in love. God, help us hear what they're saying. We've all got to start somewhere. I wonder where are you at right now? If I was Apollos, I wonder if I would have cancelled my plans. I would have said, ah, that's it. I just need to go back to Bible college for five years and, and then maybe I'll go down to Achaia and preach about Jesus I wonder if I would have sort of thought, oh, I've messed it up, I, I can't get this right, I give up. But just imagine the Holy Spirit speaking to Apollos. Maybe he did have a thought like that. I just imagine the Holy Spirit speaking to him and saying, well, you know it now, Apollos. You know now about the baptism of Jesus. Maybe there's something in your life you feel like you've got wrong in the past and someone's pulled you up and you're like, oh, I can't do it, I don't know about this and that. It's like, well, you know now. The things you've learnt and the things you've struggled with and the things you've grown through, just imagine the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now and saying, well, you've learnt that now. You can tell someone about that now. Apollos doesn't give up. He goes on. I wonder how many of us have had a go at something. Maybe it's been sharing with someone about the gospel. Maybe it's been praying for someone in, in public. Maybe it's been doing a Bible study with someone. Maybe it's been trying to go through the Firm in the Faith booklet with someone and you feel like you've messed up or it didn't go how you thought it should have and, and you've just got discouraged and thought, oh, I'm no good at this. It's, it's not my gifting. I can't do this. And you just said, I give up. I'm not doing it anymore. We've all got to start somewhere. Think of a, a baby that learns to, to run. Uh, this baby doesn't just get up and run one day. It, it learns to crawl. Uh, it learns to just move around to start with. It, le- it begins to crawl and then it begins to stand up or climb up for first on things. And then it starts to take a step and then it starts to take a few steps and then those steps start falling over and in- hurting themselves. <laughs> but they get back up and they, they walk some more and they learn to walk and then their walks get faster and it becomes a run. And maybe you've, like that baby, you've, you've tried to do some crawling and it didn't go so well or you took a few steps, you fall over and you thought, right, I wasn't made to run. But we've all got to start somewhere. No one's born knowing the whole gospel and the whole of the truth of the Word of God. There's so much still I don't understand. I'm growing in and trying to understand and wrestle with, with God's Word to, to fully grasp all that He has for us. We've all got to start somewhere. I believe God, what he said to Paul in verse 9, is what he's saying to each one of us today. He says in verse 9, he says, this is when he had the dream one night, after he's saying, your blood's on your own heads, I'm going to go preach to the Gentiles. God comes to him in a dream and says, don't be afraid, speak out, do not be silent, for I am with you. 
I am. The God of heaven and earth is with you. The God of creation is with you. The God who sent Jesus to die on the cross for us, the God who loves you and loves these people is with you. He is for you and not against you. Don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent. He is for you. He can use an unbeliever and he will most definitely use you if you place yourself in his hands. Don't be afraid. Speak out. Do not be silent. Maybe there's something you've totally ruled yourself out for for so long and just by God's Spirit right now, he might just speak up again to you and say, don't be silent. Don't be afraid. I know you've tried it. I know you were hurt, but try it again. Take another step. Stand up again. Trust me, even if you fall down again, that I'm going to help you pick it up. And I'm going to help you walk. I'm going to help you run for my glory. Do not be afraid. Speak out. Do not be silent, for I am with you. And then this is the next part of what he says to Paul. He says, and no one will attack and harm you, for many people in this city belong to me. That was a word to Paul in that season for that time. And we can't just take that on board and say, right, God's saying, don't be silent, speak up, and everything's going to be fantastic. No one's going to come against us. We can't, I wish I could say we could, but we can't just take that on and say everything's going to be fine. There's not going to be any trials. There's not going to be any challenges. But God's Word tells us that there are going to be trials, that people will come against us, that people will not like what we say. They will argue and, and, and persecute us when we stand up for Jesus. But I think what we can take from God's Word and even from this passage to know is that God is with us and that despite what we might face, despite the challenges we might have, the criticism we might cop, that God is greater, that the, the, the victory, the reward on the other side of those things is so much greater and He won't allow it to be more than we can bear. He will be with us and He will help us through every part of the journey. Don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent for I am with you. As we read just before, what's the first thing Paul did when he goes to Ephesus? He goes to the synagogue and he begins to preach to the Jews. Let's not rule ourselves out from anything that God might want to be calling us to. Let's not rule ourselves out and say, I can't do kids' church, I can't do a working bee, I can't do, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't make meals, I can't do this. Don't rule yourself out from the things that God might be calling you to. It might be a season of saying, God, God saying, no, that's not for you. But don't ever rule yourself out to say that I will never do. Let God lead you. Let God guide you. He can use all people. Why has God called us to be His church? To glorify Him. I, I've said this before, but God could have, in the moment we came to faith in Jesus, kind of zapped us and said, right, He's got faith. You're going to heaven right now. Go. Party started. It's like, oh, you've got faith. Go to heaven. Party started. Go and join in. And the moment you came to faith, God could have zapped you and said, right, you've come to me. You've accepted me. You've repented. You've come to faith. Go and be in heaven right now. It's like, bingo. You get to go now. But he keeps us here on the earth. And sometimes we wonder, why, God? Why couldn't we have just been zapped? But we are here on this earth. God has left us as his bride, his body, his church, to be for his glory. 
to tell people about Him, to declare who He is to the world around us. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 12 says this, In Him, according to the purpose of Him, who is God, who accomplishes all things according to the counsel of His will, we who first hoped in Christ have been destined and appointed to live for the praise of His glory. You exist for the glory of God. And you all said, Amen! I feel like it! Yeah! Excited! (laughs) Hope so. You exist for the glory of God. Your very breath declares the glory of God. Your heart beating declares the glory of God. We exist as His church for the glory of God. We also exist to care for one another, to care for the world around us who even don't know Him, to share with one another, encourage one another, to share with the world around us who don't yet know Him, to grow, to come to maturity in our faith, but also that we would grow and multiply in number, that more and more would know and go with the gospel, that all people would know the hope that we have in Jesus. What a privilege, what an honour, what a joy to be His church. Ephesians, did I just read that? I can't remember. Ephesians 4.16, I don't think I did. 15.16 said, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of His body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part. Are you a part? As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I love the way Paul works. When he, we read, when he went to Corinth, it says he, he met Priscilla and Aquila and he just made the tents with them. He, he's working on the tents and then on the Sabbath, on the weekend, he's, he's going down to the, the synagogue and he's preaching all through the Sabbath. But then through the week, he goes back and he's making the, making the tents. But then when Timothy and Silas come down, I kind of think it's kind of like, hey guys, come here for a second. I've got to show you how to do this. And he's showing them how to like sew or weave or whatever he does and cut the things. And he's like, now, you guys keep doing that. Do it as best you can. Sell as many of them as you can. And then you can pay for, all th- pay for food for all three of us. And I'm going to go preach. So you guys just keep working. And I'm going to go preach. You get what I'm saying? He, 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 when t- Timothy and Silas come, he's like, guys, you're here now. You can earn some money. I'm going preaching. It's like, let's work together so that the gospel can be made known all the more. He uses every opportunity he has. They're working together as his body to make Jesus known wherever they have opportunity. They're working together. The gospel might be proclaimed. God, help us be a church like that, that we would work together, that we would use our energy and our time, our resources in every way, our prayers, that we would be for the glory of God with every opportunity He gives us. I want to ask you the question this morning, what opportunity do you have? What opportunity do you have to know Him? What opportunity do you have to grow, to share with others the hope that we have and to show His love to the world around us? To your brothers and sisters in Christ, what opportunity do you have to show His love to them? To encourage them? 
Maybe there's particular things in your mind that God's just bringing into your memory, things He's spoken, things He's said. Maybe it's something completely new. What opportunity do you have? Maybe it's this afternoon, something God's just going to illuminate to you. You have an opportunity. Here it is. Will you take it? Maybe it's something you've ruled yourself out for so long. Maybe it's something you've messed up before and you thought, I could never do that. But what opportunity do you have? You know, as I was reading through the the annual reports, I I really encourage you to read through those reports. I don't just say that because I'm the pastor. I say it because God loves you and He wants you to be encouraged. You read through those reports and, and... you read about people who are giving their lives to lay down their lives that people would know the hope that we have in Jesus. I, 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 think, of, I think of Mops, and I've got to say, if you've never been here on a Thursday to see what Mops does in action, like you have not seen the production. <laughs> like it's, it's mammoth. But don't let that put you off. Like it's, <laughs> it's a great team. You come on a Friday night, or Saturday morning, as the guys were getting ready to go to Powder War, I was off for a bike ride with the kids. We went to get bread, and uh, we, we went for a bike ride. And I'm, I'm riding past, I'm seeing them getting ready. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. You've got to be there for like an hour before the kids turn up. And I've seen that our, our youth leaders laying down their lives that these young people might get filthy dirty with powder and have a whole heap of fun. But most of all, they might know Jesus. And they getting back at 10.30, 11 o'clock at night and then they get home and they probably couldn't sleep till three in the morning because they're so wound up and excited and pumped about what Jesus is doing. Like, I praise God for every one of you who, who are laying down your life. You're, you're mowing lawns, you're, you're, you're sweeping floors, you're, you're doing things that help the gospel message to go out all the more. What opportunity do we have? What other opportunity? God, is there something else I can do I'm going to ask the band to come. I just want you just to be, just be still, close your eyes for a moment and say, God, is there one thing? Is there one thing, Lord, that you want to speak to me about today? Is there one opportunity? Is there one thing I can do? One person I could talk to? One thing I could say that would just encourage someone, that would help them know the love of God? God, is there one thing? Thank you, Lord. God, I just thank you for the privilege it is to know you, God. Lord, so many people in this world don't know the hope that we have in you. God, they go to bed at night and they don't know that there is a Father in heaven who loves them, who is for them and not against them. God, let our hearts break for those who don't know you. God, let let us weep, Lord, for those who don't understand your grace, your forgiveness, your life that you have for anyone who turns to you. Lord, I thank you that we have the privilege of having your word. That, Lord, for centuries upon centuries, people have have risked their lives to get a copy, even just a page of your word, that they could be encouraged by your word. Your word is powerful, and we have it sitting on our bookshelves. We have it sitting on our tables. 
Lord, stir us to come before you, to be, be changed, to be molded, to be shaped, to be inspired, to be refired for your kingdom, God, we pray. Lord, our desire is to be the church that you created us to be, Lord, to glorify you, to, to live in love for one another, that the world would know that we are your disciples. Lord, I just thank you for those one things that you're speaking to people about, opportunities we have to be your church. God, I pray that you would help us to be faithful with the little things. Maybe for some people it's just been a struggle to smile at somebody. Maybe it's been a struggle to, to shake someone's hand. Maybe it's been a struggle to love that person at work that just criticizes us day after day. But God, I just pray that you'd help us to commit to smile, to agree to speak to that person again. God, some people, they're just feeling stirred that I, I've given up praying for people because I, I feel like my prayers weren't being answered. And God, I just pray that you would stir that person to pray again, to pray with fervency, to pray with expectancy, to pray with delight again, Lord God. God, we just thank you and we thank you and we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, Jesus, that it is all because of Jesus that we could be accepted, that we are made righteous in your sight. Thank you, Lord. If there's anyone here today and you've never repented of your sin and turned to Jesus, not just said sorry for your sins, but turned to Jesus and said, God, lead me. Jesus, thank you that you died, you rose again, that I might have new life. Help me to live like you. If you'll pray that prayer today, God, hears your prayer. And He will answer it. I believe it with all my heart. We're going to finish this morning in the same way we started. We're going to finish by praising God because He is the one that does it all. I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to sing, Look to the Son. We're going to set our eyes on the Savior. He is the image of love. Let His love be perfected in us as we go out. But let's stand Let's fix our eyes on Him, not on us. Let's all, all, all point up at Him. Where's God? Everywhere. But who are we setting our eyes on? Not us. On Him. Maybe this morning you want to surrender as we sing, but I encourage you, get excited. Be excited. Be inspired. Be filled with joy as we sing. Because He is the reason we have life and eternal life. Amen.